This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, of course, is Hans Lam. Last name uh, we will exclude for this episode. How are you doing tonight? I, I hope you have a lot to say about these movies because I really, I, I don't know how much I got. Didn't you love them? Didn't you say, hold on, didn't you say you you were getting aroused no. midway through Gummo? No. I Something about not. the eyebrow shaving sequence that really did it for you, the dead cats made you feel at oh, home? The, the retarded prostitute scene which, where he's like, do you think I'm handsome? It's like, <laughs> oh. Goddamn! Hey, have you ever have you ever felt a, a girl's bre- a bosom, and you say to her, "You got a lump in your titty"? <laughs> no, I can't can't say that I have, uh, but I would probably handle it the same way. <laughs> hey, you got a little lump in your titty. She's like, "What?" And then the scene ends before it gets sad. He has to get it caught off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're we're talking about uh, a trilogy of uh, people that I've never met in my life. So I get maybe that's why uh, it's difficult for me to care. It's like different types of chaos in different settings, but very similar at the same time. I guess the Harmony Korean thing uh, bind them together. But I didn't expect him to be so young when he was writing these things. You know, when he pops up in Ken Park, that's like the the party guy that's like telling no in kids i think it is no 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 no. he pops um, up in i believe gummo and he makes out with that black midget no 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 not that one uh that scene by the way so funny because you could tell that the the black midget is like okay i'll play a gay guy sure and then once it starts getting real he's like uh, oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> he's like no no i don't want this he's like no thank you <laughs> uh but he also pops up in in uh, one of the other two uh when he was 22 i think um and he uh when rosario no when um chloe savigne savigne however you say her name when she walks into the party in a house He's like walking her through and he's saying, oh, we have this drug here and we have this other drug here or whatever. And he looks very, very young. It's like, I didn't yes. realize that he was like so young when he was writing these movies. Uh, if I remember correct, I th- and I maybe I'm wrong about this. You, you'll want to verify it. I believe he wrote kids around 15 or 16 years old. Larry Clark oh, wow. famously loves hanging out at skate parks with young children. And, uh, you know, he just discovered this Harmony Corinne kid out of the blue. He just plucked him out and said, hey, kid, you want to make a movie? And they decided to make a movie. Yeah. And then they wrote that movie together about children having sex. Well, that's really all the movies. I mean... Larry Clark seems very hung up on this subject. Of, there you, hold on. Go to this picture of Larry Clark and the kid who plays Casper in the film, who is uh, dead now, unfortunately. So that's a guy who's hanging out at the skate park, about 50 years <laughs> of age, hanging out with all these minors, taking his shirt off, being one of the fellas, being one of the boys, taking some pictures. Yeah. They remembered the day they spilled the paint. Yeah. Yeah. That. It's weird. It's definitely weird. But yeah, I was when he popped up. I was like, "That's either Jason Schwartzman or him." So I had to look it up because I couldn't. I couldn't tell. They look very similar. And then, then yeah, he pops up on on Gummo, 
uh, in probably the funniest scene of the whole thing where where it starts funny with the the black midget just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, hey, you know what? I am a gay man <laughs> or like something like that is his line. Don't yeah. cut that. Uh, don't clip that. That's, <laughs> that's his line, I think. And then as soon as he starts getting touchy, as soon as Harmony Korean is like, all right, well, we're going with this. The guy's like, oh, I, I, <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> and then Corinne's like, come on, give me something. Give me a little bit or something. And you could tell that, that scene was not supposed to go like that. But it, it was they were playing like gay chicken, you know? Or it felt like that. Where it's like one of them is like actually trying to get something and the other one's like, Oh fuck, I don't know. What did I just get myself into? And I can't imagine that production to be, you know, Hollywood looking or sanitary even just by wow everything looks and especially after looking at the fucking photo of larry clark like you know that set was kind of a mess oh yeah uh, so that scene was just funny yeah i'm not sure how this movie i mean how kids got off the ground to begin with i know they shot that in new york city and a lot of those actors were just not known at the time rosario mm-hmm. dawson was not famous um you know, none of them were but they managed to i mean well larry clark had built a reputation as a famous photographer and very well-regarded photographer. They teach him in art schools. So he had, he had that going for him at the time, which is probably how he managed to get investors in on doing this movie kids and kids was, I, I maybe we briefly talked about it during the uh, episode we did with Jake Hanrahan. We're talking about banned and controversial films. This movie was very controversial for the time. And I think they limited the release of it as a result of that. What are we looking at? Oh, uh, yeah. That's a cute couple. That's, that's, that's actually uh, Clark, yeah. uh, Vincent Gallo and Chloe Svigny in the <laughs> brown. The brown. The, the gray bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the reunion. Is the only Chris thing Parnell? that I've seen him... The, <laughs> the only thing I've seen him on is uh, the crackhead and, and uh, the wire, right? Oh, Harmony... Uh, Larry Clark? No, him. What's oh, his this name? guy. I don't even know what his name is. Leo, Leo Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he he's uh I, I think season maybe one and two, he's the guy that's with bubbles all the time that that fools the, the kids into selling him yeah, Johnny, uh selling him uh crack with fake with a fake bill. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I I remember him on there. I don't remember his role too much. He's just a crackhead that was with Bob's and then he gets the fuck beaten out of him. I guess he gets killed later or something. Uh, but yeah, when, when you said uh, that they weren't really well known, um, how many of them actually had like a good career after that? Just Rosario, right? Well, no, I guess Chloe, Chloe. Savigny, um, Justin Pierce, I think maybe had a bit because he's like the close. If you don't count uh, Leo Fitzpatrick as Telly, He's kind of the star of this movie. He's the young, good-looking guy, but he died of an overdose really early on. I, I feel like around the same time that Brad Renfro might have. Uh, pa- Damn, he's from London. I would never have guessed that. Good for him. He's very. He was a very good actor. Um, yeah. Yeah. He died around the same time. I think that Brad Renfro died, and Brad Renfro was in Bully, also with Leo wow. Fitzpatrick, and I think that was directed by Larry Clark as well. And that's a, that's yeah. a pretty good movie. Um, that has Nick Stahl in it, who we just talked about recently. Uh, another guy 
who has had a number of drug and alcohol problems. Very good as Yellow Bastard. I probably was first introduced to him in Terminator 3. What was the subtitle? Salvation, Terminator, Rise of the Machine, something like that. Oh, yeah, the one with the girl, Girl Terminator. Michael Pitt, Bijou Phillips. This is very early aughts cast we have here. Yeah. And uh, it's even this guy. Isn't this guy famous for uh, Mean Girls? Was he the gay guy in Mean Girls? Yeah, 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 yeah. The fat fat gay guy. And he was in Party Party Monster as well. Uh, Did you ever see Party Monster with Michael, Michael, uh, Macaulay Culkin as Michael Ailey? Macaulay? No. I know the story, but I've never, never actually seen it. Uh, That movie's pretty underrated. That would be a good one to cover for movies at some point because it it has Macaulay Culkin not really given a great performance. He's just acting like gay Macaulay Culkin. Seth Green is very good in the movie, uh, but it's very interesting. I, th- I think the whole Michael Ailey kid club culture is uh, like a nice little relic of that late 80s, early 90s period. Well, you get that a little bit here. I guess it's not clubs. Well, they do go, I think, to like an underage club, don't they? Something like that in this movie. Yeah, now, they get up I've to seen the th- all sorts of mischief. Because I saw the three ones today, so I'm confusing this one with Ken, like Ken Park and this universe are going. Because I was just going to say James Ranson, but I, he's on on the other one. Ken no, Park. yeah, he's he's uh, <clears throat> the standout in my opinion from Ken Park. I think that guy really makes that movie. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I see him ejaculate. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I was really not expecting that. Just like the choke jerk that we've been talking about for like the past couple of episodes. Oh, there it is. He's actually. All right, and he's okay. Cool. They didn't really need to see. Uh, what's his name on on the wire too, right? What's his I think, other he, big I think he might have been on the wire. I know he was in um, he was in that Ty West Western film from 2016 as well, and he played Eddie Casprag in It Chapter Two, which is mm-hmm. how I think I first became aware of James Ransone. He's got an interesting history. I think he's a drug addict as well. Um, and has like false teeth or something. Very interesting uh, guy in general. But I, I, I mean, I was very surprised because I had this certain impression of him from It Chapter Two, and then you check out Ken Park, and mm-hmm. he's just this little fuck that you want to strangle. <laughs> just a horrible kid. Just, just um, an unlikable kid that you want to beat up. Yeah, unbelievably uh, hateable. He plays a he plays a very similar character in The Wire. Uh, the character's name is Ziggy, and he uh, he's on. Uh, on the second season where they do the whole Polish uh, docs season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just a shithead. I think he's the um, nephew of like our main guy, so Bodka or something. And he's just a joke. He's like, he likes to, he wants respect, but he, but no one takes him seriously because he's like the youngest shithead. And he has a bit where he shows people his dick. So it's kind of similar to this kid. Now that I think about it, you know, if this kid maybe didn't kill his grandparents like he did in Ken Park, which was expected, I think. I think it's uh, it's a little bit choreographed at the beginning. You, you know, that's where he's going to end uh, with how mean he is to those poor, sweet old people that mm-hmm. just want to, they're just terrified of him. Uh, but yeah, Ken, Ken, I don't know if we are moving on from kids, but... Uh, well, we can have was, a... We, we don't need to necessarily yeah, go mix. in order with these three movies. I think there's a lot of overlap to them. Like you were saying before, the characters kind of feel like they live in the same world. 
You know, there's yeah. that overlapping texture where you're just focusing on different parts of America during roughly the same time. Uh, Kids is obviously mid, mid, late 90s in uh, New York City. Yeah. You get to Gummo mm-hmm. and it's just like Dust Bowl, Midwest, dead town. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you get to Ken Park and that's kind of suburbs. You know, that's a... Uh, that's just what's supposed to be your normal, average, everyday kids. Um, do you have a favorite? That's California, though, isn't it? It, it might be. Ken it might Park? be, yeah. Because there's more of that skateboard uh, uh, culture there. So I, I figured it was Ken Park. Uh, my favorite of the three? Damn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe Gummo? Because it really? feels more experimental than the other two. Mm. Like the, the 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 other two feel to me like vignette movies where you're being introduced to a lot of different characters and this is their point in their life and this is what they have to go through. But uh, by the end of the movie, the, the change in them is not really that much. Like there's not really, it feels more like a chapter in a story. Uh, and Ogomo is the same way, uh, but where it's just a, uh, you know, story of someone living at this time and, and you know, their uh, situation is different, but they're all kind of stuck in the same hellhole of a, of a small town that brings out the worst in them, uh, the situation. But the way that music is used, um, even though the narration in Gummo was a little annoying at first because it, it, it was like whispered or like very low energy or like you could tell like on purpose, kind of like not very... Um, uh, formal I guess just recorded like kind of lazily but I think as not the movie as bad goes as along Michael Imperioli's and Many Saints of Noir which sounds exactly like his oh, podcast yeah. it sounds like it sounds like your side of the audio for any given episode when I don't feel like <laughs> patching in your right. local recording mm. yeah but on, on this one uh, at first it's a little annoying uh, maybe because it was the third one I watched so I was maybe expecting something Similar because kids and, and Ken Park are very, even uh, aesthetically speaking, uh, very similar. That the shots and everything are very similar. Gummo has like a punk rock energy to it uh, that I don't know if it comes from them all just being poor and uneducated and not knowing any better. Uh, but I feel like the the experimentation that that Harmony Korine does with this movie, with the music, with uh, the performances and and just the way that it's shot uh, takes it you know a little bit higher than the other two where where they even though they have their look and their aesthetic uh, uh, I don't know I, I feel like it doesn't really go far enough and that's maybe why they feel like chapters in the story for me uh, Gomo even though it's also just a chapter in a story it has enough interesting. Uh, experimental elements i think that made me like it a little bit more not that i like it that much but you know above the other two i would say i completely agree i think the fact that harmony corinne didn't really seem to know what he was doing he had never directed anything before and that was his first stab at it you have a raw creativity in that film that you don't have in kids or ken park even Mm -hmm. though i think maybe his movies both of those uh, films are more easily digestible easily watchable um yeah I would maybe make the argument that Gummo is probably the strongest piece of art between the three, but that Ken Park might be the best movie. Okay. This definitely got better performances. Even Yeah. I, I can't get past the 
feeling of this movie is just about all people wanted to fuck their children because that's well that's it i mean that's, it is. that's yeah. literally the movie that's <laughs> yeah because uh, at the beginning you know with the uh, overly masculine stepdad i think it was a stepdad right it wasn't his real dad or was he his real dad oh uh, no that was his real dad are you talking about hey it's uh, me dad you're talking about that yeah guy? it's okay <laughs> no it's, <laughs> it's like, all right sucking. He puts his dick in his mouth and he's like, it's fine, it's dad. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, that That's kind of, like, you can tell that he's going there because of how angry he gets at everything that the kid is doing. Uh, and, you know, he's, like, fighting against his sexuality very, uh, um, what, what's that movie? Uh, fuck, I'm not going to remember. With the pedals? You know, the American pedals. Beauty. Yeah, it's uh, Chris Cooper, yeah. American Beauty. Yeah, yeah, where you have the neighbor that's just a military guy. He's very hetero and very, like, anti-gay. And then he wants to, like, fuck, uh, what's his name? Kevin Spacey. Yes. Old Uh, Pockmark. Yeah, and then on this one, you have uh, also a a dad that's, like, a combination between Ned Flanders and uh, Milhouse's dad when it comes to his personality and look. Uh, whose wife died, and then he finds his daughter sucking off some Indian boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then and then he's like, "Hey, we're gonna just get married, you and me, because you kind of look like your mom." Uh, yeah, the, the whole. I mean, it, it is definitely better acted. Uh, I feel like Kids has a lot of impro- improvisation that doesn't work because it feels like a lot of it is just run, let's run camera and kids uh, talk about this. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, them just frolicking and just, like, ah, ha, ha, if you suck my dick or if you, ha, ha, whatever. Like, very, a lot of it feels very improvised and that at times it feels like it's too long for what actually ends up happening. Uh, Ken Park is a little bit more focused, I think, and the performances, well, that James James Wilson was great as, as being the most hateable child in the history of movies where you just want to punch the fuck out of him. Uh, and then, you know... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you're you're right with your assessment of uh, Gummo is definitely more of a piece of art, and this one feels more like a straight up film, I guess, compared to the other the other two. Well, with kids, I know that uh, Larry Clark was probably at the height of his addiction to crack and heroin, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was just like, yeah, let's just let's just film these these kids and we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll just piece it. We'll do it in post. Don't worry about it. It's just, hey, yeah. it's about AIDS just, spreading around, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll fall asleep in this scene and just have the mingle in a pool for let 10 just, minutes. And then oh, when I, I wake up, we cut. Yeah. <laughs> let me just cool down real quick. Show yeah. my hands. <laughs> you don't have a bathing suit. Just go in with your transparent training bras in the pool. Yeah, just go in. It's fine. This yeah. works. This is natural and normal. That's what you guys do, right? Yeah, let's do. I'll take my shirt off too. Just you know. <laughs> if by the time you get to Ken Park, it's more like, all right, uh, well, how are we going to end this film? All right, all the kids. How about you just uh, get naked together? And uh, you guys. That can, uh... was weird. That also, I, it didn't. Maybe I just missed it, but I didn't feel like there was much of a setup for that to happen. It was like, hey, let's let's hang out, and then all of a sudden, he's like, they're both fucking the girl. It's like, where's the Indian boy? He got beat the fuck up and he didn't even get to fuck. Oh, fuck <laughs> he barely that, got his penis touched. She's getting double teamed, <laughs> double teamed for real. She was actually sucking dick and, oh man, yeah. it's very explicit. They, yeah. they did it for real. Uh, 
I mean, good good for that broad, I guess. I wonder what she's up to these days. You know, I looked into her not long after. She was Quentin Tarantino's assistant. Oh, wow. She yeah. was on that Teenage Caveman movie that I told you, I think. Told you about that we should do a civic TV on because it's terrible. Sure. Sure. Hey, did you see that uh, Bill Fagerbachy is in this movie as uh, the cut husband? Bill Fagerbachy. I, I've never heard of that name. He's. I don't know if you're best known as the voice of Patrick Starr. He plays uh, Tom Cone oh, in the 1994 okay. yeah. M O O N. That spells fat, fat retard, which is what he plays in that movie. He, he's the retard who saves the day. He goes to town infiltrates the bad group he's like i'm just a bad retarded man and then sneaks out with notes or something because they don't suspect him because he's so stupid yeah the husband the cocked husband that's right i thought that was gonna end on also something and it didn't no none of it really gets resolved except um i guess i mean the the james ransone character and uh you could make the argument of that one kid who has the beef with his dad who tries to then suck him off. Aside from that, you don't really get a sort of satisfying conclusion with many of these characters. (laughs) I just remember that scene where he, he's talking to, uh, Oh, let me, let me look him up because I don't know if, if that was, you know, the guy that was on in the car with, with him, uh, guy with the mustache, Gray hair, mustache. You know what I'm talking about? The dad is in the car with him. I, I think he plays his dad, or he's he might be playing like a like an older uh, mentor character to him, and he, they're like trying to get a prostitute. Mm. Oh, Richard, really, really, or re? This guy, hold on. That looks like Let's Wilford. Take a look at this fellow, Grimley. Oh yes. Oh, he's 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 got a very famous face. He pops up in so many movies. Yeah. Uh, that scene where him and our gay dad are trying to get prostitutes and then he's like, uh, well, you know what? You gotta get some pussy or whatever. And, and our dad or the character's dad is like, it's just, it's me, dad. All right. No wait, But he goes home and he opens the door and sees his pregnant wife falling asleep. And he's like, ew. <laughs> he's like, oh, yuck. <laughs> and then he just goes into his son's room and he's like, all right. He's like, what the fuck is happening? It is actually happening. And it did. He he actually, like, you see him put his dick in his mouth, like his son's dick, in, or grabs it at least. And he, it's just like, I think he damn, pulls right, it out. I guess we're, and, we're doing this. <laughs> no, he's doing this. And uh, you have Amanda Plummer yeah. from Pulp Fiction playing the pregnant yeah. wife. And she's, you know, she is what she is. Um, I I just got a note. Sorry, I got a notification yeah. mid-episode that said, Internet is unstable. That's the first time that's ever happened. So if this drops out, oh, oh no, that's that's bad news for everybody. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. I mean, you look fine. Okay. You look fine to me. I don't know. Yeah. If if anything yeah. acts up, you let me know. But uh, yeah, you you have a couple of famous faces in this movie. You have that actor you just pulled up. You have Amanda Plummer, who again is best known as Honey Bunny from uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Bill Fagerbachy, who we already went over, and um, you know it's not the Harrison Young of what was it what's the talk show the local public access talk show isn't it? his name's harrison young isn't he from Bro- uh not harrison brockton young. from oh Bo- yeah yeah Boston public access yes harrison you, you, you have a different harrison young in this movie 
who plays Tate's grandfather, who's probably the same age as yeah. that Harrison Young. What's the name of that hit program? What is it? Talk Time? Tapping Time? Hey, is there like a theme song we could pull up of that? Can we just see, just to illustrate it? Because this is obviously an inside joke between you and I. We know who we're talking about here. But nobody really his knows name, Harrison. Though. It's Harrison Young. It's Harrison. Just type in Harrison Young and then you know whose name. And you will find something. Topic time. Topic time. That's a, it's like the Jay Leno show. Jay Leno's Garage, but uh, for Massachusetts local flair. Oh, oh my God. Oh, wow. Okay, I just found a more recent episode than the one we've seen. And this is from 2020. Uh, let me see if I can find something new. Did he oh, make yeah. the transition There's... over to Zoom because of COVID? Not in this one, but I just found a more recent one where he's on Zoom. Mm. Oh, but hold on. Let me, let me just share this. Uh, okay. All right, let's take a look. Right, you guys not watching right now, go to patreon.com slash lowres. Check out the video. Yeah. Ah. So there's an alien snapping Zoom, his fingers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a green screen. Yeah, there's someone with a green screen suit holding his wrists. Look how tired he's just like. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to... Uh... Topic time with Harrison Young. The foliage outside is utterly delightful to look at. Uh, Why is he so sweaty? Just like, uh, me saying that. And we have an awesome show tonight. Another great musical guest. Hold on, let's see the one that's from last week. Oh, oh this is this is this week. Uh oh, the green screen just got oh. worse. This is Zoom. Why don't you give him a like? Do you think he regrets? Using this theme song. He's probably got arthritis. Every time he starts, he every is... time he starts his show, he has to spend a minute doing this. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to yet another amazing edition of Topic Time. With you know, this is kind of like gummo for those who, who can't see it. Um, Quite a couple of days. Uh, only a couple of days we've lost power. I had to stay at my parents' house. God bless them. They left what? Me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> His parents are still alive. This is, a, I'm not kidding. This is like a 78 year old man. I'm going to talk to a woman with lots of points of view and opinions, and uh, she's going to be a great guest. And she's in Connecticut. But before we get to her, I've got to read these great underwriters, and then we will commence per usual. So we got out of a country. Look how shaky this piece of paper is. Oh. Look at how much the piece of paper is. I, see, I just feel bad for this guy. I think we should get on his show. I, I, you know, that might be something if we can put in a call within the next couple of days. He's just not doing the show in the studio anymore. They, they, I mean, look, the studio might have closed. Topic <laughs> time with Harrison Young, Maybeth Kostek, women with many points. <laughs> <laughs> What? Did you see how unamused she looks? <laughs> what is this? What's happening here? She looks like pretty mad. She's like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> wow, he has so many ads. I wonder how much money he's making out of this. I think they're paying him like 25 bucks a piece per ad. 
I mean, that's that's like 500 bucks. He's red like 20 already. <laughs> this really is like the beginning of those older Joe Rogan podcasts where he would do 20 minutes yeah. of ads to start the show. Yeah, and they use that excuse of like, well, if you don't want to see ads, just skip 15 minutes or whatever. All right, can we either skip to the interview or cut this off? I think it's starting. He's just staring at her family photos. Pictures of her, of her niece and nephew. Thank you for having me, and I love you, America. I love the, you know, most people I interview are entertainment. You're just a woman with many points. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think gave the thumbs up? Who this? Yes. Do you think it was him or do you think it was her? Hmm. Do you, you think she, I don't know. I. She probably contacted him and was like, hey, I'm, I have opinions. I can come with your show. I bet her daughter helped her give that thumbs up for the episode. I get the vibe. Harrison Young has a strict code and probably thinks, nope, we're not going to like the, our own video. That's for the audience, even though the audience is 21 views. <laughs> okay, there you go. So you're time. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I heard him in the car when I was little. I'm actually 42. Okay, well, you like She's 42? Her face looks like a, a rotten yeah, pumpkin. You just turned 21. Yeah, I might as well have. I feel pretty good. Oh, I love banter. Oh, the flirt. Okay. He's trying to get it in with this woman. Happy belated. Hey, still works. <laughs> These conversations are so mundane. I mean, it really goes with. This is what the characters from Kids become when they don't leave their small town and then they just turn 65 thinking that they're entertaining people and they just talk about nothing. Mm. Yep, still up right. You got that right. All right, well, tell me what you're doing. We'll elaborate a little more, just like we've been doing. Okay. it does. How is she 42 when she sounds... Anyway, we shouldn't be shitting on this poor lady. No, no. She's just a, look, well, fuck she's the a lady. lady with many opinions. You know? <laughs> uh, she asked for it. She wanted to go on there. I don't believe she's 42. I don't... Look, if she's 42, that means what? She's like six years older than you? So... Yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that woman is about 58 to 62. That's what I think. There's no 42-year-old women buying that family photo set to put behind her in the kitchen, okay? That's not happening. Not even if she did... That relative when she was young. (laughs) That's what I like to do. I like to put all my dead relatives in a little photo frame collage. It's like I'm collecting their souls. That's That's what I've always done since a child, since I was a child. Children are are the our joys. That's the yeah. overlapping message of these films from Harmony Corinne and Larry Clark. Hey, who do you think is a better director, Harmony Corinne 
or Larry Clark? Define better. Well, it could be technically. I mean, I, well, if yeah. you go technically, I, well, I mean, if you're looking at Harmony Korean's entire career, that might be yeah. difficult to say. Well, mm. I think most people would consider Orson Welles a better director than James Cameron. I think that's fair to okay. say. So let's think about it in the vague spectrum of direct of just filmmaking of whatever you consider better. Well, I would definitely watch Gummo before I watch Ben Park again. Why? Uh, so I guess in my because it's more interesting to watch. Uh, Was this your first time seeing Gummo? Holy, maybe. I think I might have seen it as a meme when that was a meme, you know, like 10 years ago where you had the spaghetti scene. And I think on Tumblr or like some social media sites, it was like, oh, my God, this movie is amazing. It's like this other thing, whatever. I don't, I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, I started watching it. I don't think I ever got through it until this time. I didn't have the sensibilities to not get annoyed by the characters. Not that I don't now because I was annoyed at, at times, but I feel like there's more that you can catch on a rewatch in this than Ken Park, which is more like a straightforward storytelling type of thing, where it's kind of uh, documentary-ish because there's a lot of like over-the-shoulder camera work and like sneaky shots of them acting normal or naturally. Uh, But Gummo has such a, a more interesting way of delivering the message that you're supposed to be getting on screen with either the music with their actions of what they're doing or just just the chaos that you you see on you know like that scene where for whatever reason they start fighting chairs in the middle of a kitchen and break a table because he one of the guys breaks a table because he loses uh with the midget on a hand wrestling competition damn let me do that that's like every friday night in the projects is that dude fighting that chair when i was a kid especially oh man you'd go over like one of the poor family's houses and it would be something like that happening almost 10 times out of 10 that felt like wow that's i i i know the type of people that do that that was a that's that was a disconnection for me like the type of what would you call that type of people? White trash. Think, so. Right. The type of trash that we have here that I grew up with is similar, but not violent. So um, it's just people getting drunk and like insulting each other to make, to make each other laugh and just eating a lot. And sometimes they'll get into fights, but nothing serious. But it was never like, I'm upset. I'm going to break this whatever <laughs> because I've been drinking and, you know. I'm a man, and argh, and then they all start cheering for him to beat up a yeah. chair or whatever. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, so maybe that culturally, I, I was kind of like, I okay, well, I get it. They're, they're white trash from the middle of nowhere, so maybe that's regular behavior for them. But, I'm, you know, I've never, never seen that in my life. Uh, so that was a little bit of a disconnect. Now that you're confirming it, I guess that takes another, it's another layer of that scene that, I wasn't thinking about before just because of that same thing. It's just like completely out of my uh, reality, I guess. Yeah, your wheelhouse uh, but, experience is not limited to uh, drunken 32-year-olds fighting the chair, tearing a chair apart yeah. from an audience of other yeah, yeah, yeah. people. I, I would say that uh, the people that I grew up with were definitely more uh, of the kids' variety 
than they were Gummo. In Gummo, I don't think you're really finding those types of people for the most part, unless you're living out in the Midwest in any one of these very boring towns where the thing to do every Friday night is probably go to Walmart. You're probably going to right. the local Kmart to kill time because you can buy clothes there or meet girls or whatever you do because you don't have a shopping mall. They can't afford a shopping mall in the town anymore. Um, right. But there is, there is like a small strip mall you can go to. You get your nails done, buy a slice of pizza. There's a liquor store, get your Mountain a smoke Dew. shop. Yeah, yeah. Get, Mountain Dew, get uh, Mountain Dew mouth gradually over a period of time because you can't afford co- – you don't have the sophisticated enough – uh, palette for coffee in the morning. So you just have Mountain Dew to wake yourself up, or, or toothpaste, or tooth, yeah, <laughs> and, and oral hygiene to you know counteract the pounds of sugar that you're putting your teeth to with Mountain Dew products. Do you consider uh, the the families and the kids in Ken Park to be trashy? I think they're just poor. You well, know? they're not even really uh, poor in, in Kemp Park. I don't know. Th- those are uh, those are fairly well-to-do families. I, um, well, maybe the the Tate one definitely, but he's just living with his grandparents. So yeah, assuming. so they they've got a little bit of money because they're retired. They're yeah. you know they they've earned their wealth. But um, I would say that the other families are middle class. Yeah, yeah, middle class from the nineties, I guess. Mm. Whatever, I guess it really depends on where you live in the states. Like things, and that that's one of the things that's interesting about the United States that uh, because it's so big and there's so many different types of people and and cultures there. Uh, the the level of what's middle class is different from what you find in Ohio. But I'm not saying any of them were, but to the the what you would find in like California or New York, uh, even just the where they live, where uh, I don't know. Like I, I guess I would consider them middle class in, in Ken Park. But then, would that be middle class in New York for kids too, or, or are they actually poor? Because there's not that much of a difference between them. It's it's more of like a child neglect, I think. Right? Sure. Well, I mean, if you're going to look at New York or New York City, uh, what middle class would be in kids is something different than what middle class would be in California or probably any other state. In Ken Park, right. I think that's a pretty run of the mill. Uh, those are run-of-the-mill middle-class families to find in there. Whereas the kids and kids are probably also middle-class, but they're not living as well because the standard of living for New York, if you're not making a certain threshold of money, is completely diminished. Also, everyone lives a a busier lifestyle, which is, I guess, why children are just freer to run around and do and and get AIDS at what thirteen or fourteen? Yeah, yes, something like that. This yeah. also, uh, you know, look, it was in the nineties. They operate on the assumption that you know you're just going to get AIDS if you're a straight mm. straight white person sleeping with another straight white person, and that's like that's a death sentence. You're fucked. You're done. Um, yeah. You know those kinds of storylines and talk. Now that you know we're thirty years into the future, it's kind of like. You know, there's bug no, catchers on apps who, like, <laughs> who, who try yeah. and fail to get HIV. So uh, it doesn't really resonate in the same way where it was a shocking, provocative film for 1995, 1996, whatever it came out. And now it's just like, uh, hmm. Like I watch episodes of ER. And it's like, oh, this little girl has AIDS. That was a big topic back then. It was like, wow. 
the little girl had AIDS. How did that happen? Terrible parents. Terrible parents. Right. Or Ryan, the Ryan White story. For whatever reason, Ryan White was trending today on Twitter. Uh, Ryan White was the kid who allegedly got AIDS from a blood transfusion. And I think he wound up dying 20 years ago. He lived longer than they expected him to. But there was some kind of thing uh, in the press today uh, with AIDS that became a trending subject. Okay. You're not familiar. You haven't been on, you haven't checked out those Twitter trends. That's all right. The press is especially evil this week. So I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's perfectly innocent. AIDS was probably cured. You don't like, you don't like that Chris Pratt story of him being like, oh, I I love my wife and my child. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's so mean. He's such an asshole (laughs) because he's happy. happy, happy. I've never seen a more evil, (laughs) deliberately evil headline in my my existence i understand the rationale behind like oh we're gonna go after this politician because then they have their motivations and they're probably getting paid by the opposing political party with this chris pratt story it's i mean why are you really going after him is it really as simple as people on the in the right wing make it out to be is it just like that he's vaguely christian and southern ish so then he's a target Come on. It, I, I don't know. It, it could be that. I think the fat shaming culture thing, too, where if you improve yourself, you make fat people feel bad about them not improving themselves. So how dare you get in shape type of thinking mm-hmm. probably has something to do with that, too. And especially because it's been, what, five years since the five, maybe 10 years since you started putting him on every big production or big, uh, maybe not every, but like a lot of big movies that maybe people are just trying to bring him down for reasons unknown it's gonna happen to everyone that gets that big i guess especially when you're like a likable regular guy because that's what he feels like you know like he's just a normal guy outside of you know his success and and all of that because that was a very safe post like he didn't really say anything controversial or anything offensive or anything it was just people grasping at straws just trying to you know, get upset about something, I guess. People are so fucking miserable on the internet. It's funny. Yeah, people... It's funny I mean, until... Uh, it's a completely yeah, normal thing to say is, oh, thank you to my wife for our beautiful, healthy daughter. And yeah. the press said, well, hold on a second. Healthy daughter? You know, he has a disabled <laughs> son that was born nine yeah. days early. Does disabled mean unhealthy? Well, there seems to be some kind of correlation between these two things. Was that actually an inside insult at his ex-wife Anna Faris? Could it be that? People, and then the Twitter trend is the internet is pouring their hearts out to Anna Faris today. Not BuzzFeed's like nine post Twitter thread detailing how Chris Pratt is secretly a sociopath and people like dummies. Fat, fat dummies in the car. Ah, that's just wrong. I I knew it. (laughs) I knew that he was like this. I knew he was a whatever Trump supporter or whatever they want to bring up. Mm. It's, I don't know. It's, it would be weirder for me if it was like, uh, thank you, my lovely wife, for giving me a, a, 
a healthy daughter as opposed to the other one who's you know, I still love them, but you know, he's kind of retarded. You know, like what what would they expect him to just Thank acknowledge you. his entire history? <laughs> you know, like yeah, not like Anna Ferris and her rotten pussy that gave me a disabled kid. You know what I mean? Mm. Like what was the I don't understand what the reaction was or what the post was supposed to be to not be offensive to them. The best thing he could have said was thank you to my beautiful, lovely wife who never starred in a scary movie sequel. That's <laughs> yeah. really what he should have said if he was trying to get under his skin. Uh, I mean, she seems like an alcoholic, though, that Anna Farrah. She seems like she's messed up on some pills. I mean, I kind well, of understand. Well, she did some oh, she got or whatever. Facial she looks a lot different from the first, the first one to <clears throat> what was that bunny one? Um, uh, the house bunny. You know that? Yeah. Let me let me look her up. Uh, no. uh, From... Because I remember seeing her and I was like, oh, she looks familiar, but she doesn't look uh, house bunny. normal. <clears throat> doesn't look regular. Yeah. And, and, okay, here it is. So, So. When she got that big role on, sorry, when she got that big role on Scary Movie, it was more of like, okay, she's cute and she's funny, right? But her face was very much re- regular, big eyes, you know, mm-hmm. her lips were not that big. And then you have this Anna Ferris. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, I don't know why. The that. modern Anna Ferris is something quite different. You see what I mean? Like her face. Ah, she, okay, maybe this is just a roll, but yeah, it looks like she got lip filler. Let me see, Anna Ferris. 2021. (laughs) Yeah, okay, no, she definitely got a little, she almost looks like Emma Stone there. Uh, Emma Stone or Goldie Hawn. She got some lip filler done, changed her hair color. I think she got some Botox. That's her and the kid. So. Yeah, like this is not the same. She, um, she, I think she was doing pretty well in the podcasting market for a while because she had a, a, a program and, um, oh, definitely got some lip filler. Fuck. Her face Look is at totally her little different. mouth. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. He really looks like that, uh, Emma Stone, like you said. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Opens up with a hard lesson from her. The fucking just stop it. Also, his new wife is better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, he, she, look at what she did. That's, her, oh, hold on, that's not case. fair. That's not look. That's not a fair photo. <laughs> Insider is very rotten. Like I said, the press I is especially she was, evil lately. You know, I thought she was really cute here. She had like a relatable like girl next door face. You know, where it was more about her personality or whatever. And then she looks she completely just, like a girl like any of us would date in high school. In, in that. Yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, I think I prefer modern uh, Anna Faris to that original one. She's a little too, I don't know, the dark features don't, I don't know. All right. Well, that's more of a you thing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so she had a hit podcast oh, yeah, that... at the time. And I remember Chris Pratt would pop up during it. And they were like a little cute couple or whatever, kind of like Bill Burr, Nia Burr, before Nia Burr became an aggressive force, you know. And... Um, <laughs> I understand why, you know, she's off the rails and doing CBS sitcoms and taking pills and drinking and not caring for her disabled son. You know, she just let, I mean, she broke up the marriage. That's what I know. She was not happy with the marriage. 
And then Chris Pratt becomes the Chris Pratt that we all know today, which is the biggest star in the world. With Super uh, Mario Chris Pratt. Yeah. Super Mario Chris Pratt. Uh, what was the other role he just got cast as? Uh, Garfield Chris Pratt. It? Yes. <laughs> which, who yeah. marries into the Schwarzenegger <laughs> Kennedy family. The, the, the Kennedys. That's his wife, who's younger, <laughs> by the way, in better shape. And just gave birth to a healthy daughter. So she's, yeah. of course, going to go off the rails and be a lunatic and be a nut. Because now she's just the house bunny. She's just Scary Movie 3 Anna Faris. It's the same thing as when Scarlett Johansson dumped Ryan Reynolds. Because she, I believe she said, look, our careers are just going in two different directions. And I just don't think it's going to work between us. You know, you're in waiting. And I have these Avengers movies lined up. And then Ryan Reynolds... Becomes like Chris Pratt 1.0, where he's the biggest star yeah. in the world because of Deadpool. He makes a big old comeback, and uh, yeah. she is suddenly doing like a butch die it's... haircut and dating Colin Jost, the most boring, bland man on SNL. <laughs> and Scarlet is still Scarlet Witch. That's right. Uh, her career hasn't really changed that much. She's just stuck. Like every other actor in that universe, it's pretty much stuck as that. Who's the Chris Pratt is the only one that's diverts a little bit and become like a household name because even uh, Chris Evans, who well, no, when he started Captain America, he was in what like not another team movie or whatever. Like he was his in, career was nothing. He was in Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four. One and two. yeah. So he had nothing going on. The most interesting like artsy thing he did was that he played Mister Softy in the uh, the Iceman. The Michael Shannon movie that I forget who directed it, uh, but he played Mr. Softy in that film. That was originally supposed to be played by James Franco. James Franco bowed out and then played a smaller role in the movie. He still wanted something to do with it, I guess. Chris Evans, he did like a whole look and everything. Didn't really look like the Mr. Softy killer that uh, is documented. He was trying to make it an experimental fun getting into character role, but he's still Chris Evans. He was just playing himself. I've never seen. Oh wow, yeah, long hair. I've never seen that movie. I heard it was terrible. I heard it was like laughably bad, but I've never actually got. No, it, no, it's not. It, it's not that bad. But there is a. So they filmed a concept piece with Michael Shannon sitting on a bench, and you should maybe pull that up. I think that's kind of uh, an interesting little short film. That was used to lure in investors, and Michael Shannon has a really dreadful line in in this, which is an I believe it's an actual quote from the Iceman. But uh, the Iceman is not an eloquent speaker; he's not poetic, even if you know sometimes he wishes he would be. Uh, did you ever see those HBO specials with with Richard Kuklinski? I'm sorry, I, I just made a huge mistake. Uh... Uh, hold on. I what think happened? I was the movie I was talking about was the the Snowman with Michael Shannon. <laughs> that no, sorry, Fassbender. Yes, that was a huge piece of shit. Not this one. Yeah, I conf- I confuse this too. The killer uh, in that movie yeah, it, kills to that ringtone. What was it? Hot popcorn or something? That's a that's a good movie. I saw it on HBO one night. It's uh it's classic. Let's see. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, it's going to be a... Ah, that's what it is. Okay, a, a movie test scene. No, no, no. Uh, the Nope, next one. Oh, this one. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So this this was a concept piece to get financing for the Iceman, starring Michael Shannon from Bleeberg Entertainment. And we uh, we're, we're gonna have Richard Konklinski standing by the duck pond. Hopefully, there's no copyrighted music in this. Yeah, that's why I turned it down. He's got a scally cap, and uh, so, he does not look like this in the movie. No. And the, the Iceman did not look like this at all. It's fake sideburns. It must have been. And I'll tell you what, this is the character that Chris Evans winds up playing. Wow. And this guy's much better. Much more uh, registers as a sociopath a little bit more. That's a villain, yeah. Than Captain America. There's not really a lot of this like good-looking actors that can pull that off, you know, uh, that that can do both like the goody two shoes and then the creepy side kind of shady guy. I think only like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is one that has that range. Mm-hmm. But outside of him, like I don't know if there's many that could. Maybe James Franco, but more closer to his real life character, I guess. Uh, but whenever they try to do that with like what they did with Chris Evans, it's kind of like, oh, I, that doesn't work. I think you we know? might have went past the quote that he delivers. I think oh, it was sure. it was did much sooner up? than I thought. Uh, so if you want to back that up and turn up the volume sure. a little bit. Yeah. Here we go. charge you royalties for headlines like that i'd rather be called the nice man oh. <laughs> is that it that was it your face during during that delivery uh really said it all um and it, it's worse in the movie if you can believe that so uh that's about it that's all we really need from from this uh, okay. uh, he winds up killing this guy right by the pond uh, because he tries to set it up so you kill my family, I kill your family, we get the fuck out of Dodge. And uh, Richard Klinsky, even though he was a sociopath, and this goes back to our Dexter episode maybe, uh, he was a family man. So yes, he screamed in his wife in, in his wife's face and, and terrified the children, made them uh, petrified of him being home at all. But he did care about his family. <laughs> Who didn't? You know, back in the day, that was a thing. An adult man, you were supposed to do things like that. Look at Tony Soprano. Families forever. Right? <laughs> That's yeah, right. He's, uh... You know, he is kind of like the real-life Tony Soprano, except he would freeze bodies and find new ways to kill people and dispose of their corpse. Very creative, yeah. More creative than Tony Soprano. Richard Kuklinski. He used to throw kittens in the burner as a child. In the pro, well, it wasn't projects, but in the apartment building that he he lived in, he would do that, and then eventually he says, "And I, when you're talking about these, uh, he's I don't know if I'd consider him a serial killer because he was a contract killer. He just didn't mind killing people. He was really into killing people. He was a serial killer who became a contract killer essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he uh, teamed up with Mister Softy, and they would hide bodies in the ice cream truck and then freeze them out and then break them down." And that he also would go to gay nightclubs with 
like a cyanide spray in a cologne bottle and sprayed on people he was going to kill and be in and out of there. So, I mean, if you want to pull up a photo of Richard Kuklinski, massive man, he would dress in the most flamboyant gay clothing for late 1970s New York, early 1980s New York, go to these clubs and take out guys. So... Weird. That, I just googled Richard Kuklinski's gay clothes, and there's no results. <laughs> <laughs> was that him? That was him. Yeah. Oh, well, I can see that more. Actually, that's never it. Mind. No, no, no. Jesus that's him during his, his heyday. That, yeah, that's the guy. So, um, I kind of wanted to do something uh, with with the Iceman property a while back just like a little uh concept trailer or something i was gonna get gary to play the ice man because he's got a very very similar look to richard well, isn't uh isn't the killer from the first couple of seasons of dexter get uh influenced by this because it sounds like kind of what he was doing wasn't it yes so the ice truck killer from dexter steals a lot of what kuklinski and mr softy's mo was which was um you know, freezing bodies out and breaking them down. But they obviously take a more serial killer return, whereas Richard Kuklinski is just trying to get like 15 grand for killing a guy. So. I thought they just cyanide spray. Just, you know, in and out. That's very that effective. I- that's that's how he mostly did it. I read two books on, on the Iceman, and one was kind of from... I think it was a secondhand telling from his perspective. And one was from the cop who took him down and the cop who took him down certainly framed it like an episode of Miami vice or CSI of course. where he's like, I yeah. got you, you bastard. And he's pointing the gun at him in the car or whatever. We got you now. It's like, ah, okay. Ah, okay. I've had, okay copper. Have I, have I, have I told this story here about an interaction that happened with a cop where he, he was trying or he, I think he's seen, too many episodes of CSI and try to catch me and my friend and something. And then he failed miserably. So I, I was smoking with a friend at a park uh, and we finished the joint. So we had nothing. Uh, the only way we had was with my friend's car. And I stupidly left it on the handle of the inside of the car. So uh, a bus arrives to the park and like eight or 10 little cops get out uh, and start hassling us. And at one point, uh, they see that there's some weed in the car and they ask my friend to take it out. <clears throat> it's my weed, right? So then the cop pulls my friend aside and he's like, whose weed is that? My friend's like, oh, it's his weed. And he's like, oh yeah, it is. Are you sure about that? My friend's like, yeah, it's his weed. And he's like, all right, I'm going to show you what a real friend is. I'm going to show you how he's going to deny it is his weed, right? Like a, like a, a detective, like a real whatever. And he comes over to me and he's like, is this your weed? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, 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 all right, well, we're going to confiscate it or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? That was weird to ask. And then my friend told me later that he like approached him as like, you know, uh, Mandy Patakin from CSI. <laughs> a very <laughs> serious detective. Yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, criminal mind. Just like, I'm going to, you know, decipher this thing and show you that this is not a real friend. And I was like, it's my, I'm. You know what it sounds like? Or 33 <laughs> is my weed. What am I going to say? No. Like, it sounds fuck? very yeah. uh, Joker at the end of Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight, where he's like, watch this. These people yeah. will turn on each other. <laughs> That's yeah. not what happened. But it didn't. 
it didn't happen at all. I was I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm over 30. I'm not gonna not be responsible for my weed. It is mine. Like I said something at all those lines, and he completely had nothing. He just fell apart, and I was like, that's weird. And then my friend told me that, yeah, he 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 pretended to have like a CSI moment of a gotcha. Here, I'm gonna ruin this friendship that is not a real friend. It's just like it's mm. fucking weed. It's not like I'm, you know, they caught me with anything that could actually get me in trouble for that to be so dramatic. Was this America or Canada or where was this? Here. It was oh, here. Who gives Costa Rica. A shit? Of course. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it, was still, it was still funny. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there was another time where, because uh, this is a type of, and I know that um, cops up there are maybe not the smartest people. They don't recruit the smartest people. But here, it seems like everyone that applies to be a cop is little and round. Uh, so they're very insecure and they have to like, overcompensate so they always try to get like a little you know uh rough but they're little people so uh so they do that thing of you know uh try to go above to what they can actually do like uh they they came once uh do the same thing in that same park and then they started writing our names down on like this little notebook that one of them had on pencil and he was like oh yeah you have to go to uh the whatever mention some government building or whatever and say that yeah they caught you with weed so you tell them their name and give them their your id and 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 then you know they'll tell you what's going to happen and we're like all right and he's like you're writing it on pencil on like (laughs) a notebook (laughs) like i guess he thought we were just like little kids that we're going to be scared of that but we were like over 30 all of us so we're just kind of like this a dramatic theater for no fucking reason. You, know, you don't even have an official ticket to give us or anything. It's just like, I'm going to write these names on my fucking note, notebook. They don't have a database. They're, they're not keeping track of any of that. They don't. It's, of course no. not. It's Costa Rica. Dude, I, I, I just fixed the vaccination thing today that I told you about. So now I need to show a QR code that shows that I've been double vaccinated. Otherwise, they won't let me into the country. It took them four weeks since they announced it for the system to actually work. Uh, and then they expect you to believe that, yeah, this, this you know, pencil written note is going to go, you know, up to whatever power they thought. It's just, it's very, very simple minded thinking, uh, thinking that you're just like a, an innocent person that's going to be terrified of it. They can't fucking do anything to you. Yeah. That's something you learn. I th- I mean, it really took me a good long while to learn. Maybe you learn it faster if you get in trouble with the legal system uh, you know, at a younger age, but all of this stuff, there's just too much, even, even if they're keeping track of a lot of data, there's too much data. Mm -hmm. It's not worth their time. 99% of the time, if you're in trouble, right. If you got to go to court for something, a traffic ticket, it's not going to be worth their time. They're going to wind up dismissing that. I mean, look, don't take legal advice from me. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but if you don't go to court, what I'm saying is that no one's probably going to chase you down. It's just going to be probably don't get try not to get pulled over at a later point because you might might get a little uh, inconvenience on your plate if if that happens. So well, but it's different there because you have a system that works, right? They can check your ID right away. They can check everything right away. Here, you have a notebook (laughs) with a pencil. (laughs) You know, like what if you because you're dumb you didn't spell my name properly and then I'm never on their system. You know, if they were even going to do that. So it's one of the, I guess, advantages as long as you don't actually need them. Because when we've actually needed the cops, that's when they never show up and they're never around. So that's the 
that's the bad thing about the third war, but it, but it, but it's also, you know, it has advantages like like this. One time we had a lot. I shouldn't be saying this in recording, but we had more. Well, I mean, more look, we're almost we what ninety minutes into this episode. I, I yeah. think uh, it's probably it's probably safe. Yeah, we just let's just say that we got away with with something that we wouldn't have gotten that much trouble, but we refused to let them check the car because we had a couple of other joints or whatever. My friend was like, "No, you're not allowed to go in my car." So they brought dogs to go through the car and it took them four hours for the dogs to arrive. <laughs> so by the time we got there, we were able to hide everything and the dogs didn't find anything. We were just like, well, I mean, you wanted to do this shit. Like it took you four hours and then at the end, nothing happened. So it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of, um, you also know that, not that I do, but if you have money here, you can get away with anything. Uh, that's, that's like a third world country thing. Well, I mean, well, that's how John McAfee wound up thriving for many years, yeah. living out in Peru or wherever the hell he was. Wasn't it like uh, Bahamas or some shit? He, he eventually went to the Bahamas, but at, uh, at a period of time, he was somewhere in South America. Yeah, if you just have money, like if you have a like a couple of million, you can just come to one of these countries and just have a, a wonderful, fulfilling life of getting away with whatever the fuck you want, as long as you don't kill someone. Because... They've gotten a little bit better about that, but but yeah. Well, that's that's always how that's connected. That's uh, that well, that's what Tate should have done at the end of Ken Park is instead of just lounging with vampire teeth in his mouth, he probably should have went to Costa Rica with his father. Was it vampire teeth, or was it his grandfather's dentures? Oh, oh yeah, maybe I I think of Mark's his dentures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be right. Um, Let me just. Let's pull that up real quick. That's an iconic image from the film. Hey, did you hear that there's going to be a, a new release of Martin that's going to be three and a half hours long, black yeah. and white? You interested in that at all? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how excited I am to watch three hours of it, but here's a scene. Oh, yes. Yeah. That is, it's yeah. His... Fake teeth. Yeah. That's the. This is a Facebook video? You pull up a Facebook video? The only place they found it. Ah. Yeah, that's well, disgusting. Ugh, the the smell of that venture is worse than everything <laughs> he did in that movie. <laughs> Give a quick ranking: Kids, Gummo, Ken Park. Uh, out of five, no, just rank the three movies of what, what you think is oh, uh, okay. best or worst. Uh, Gummo, Ken Park, Kids. Mm. Yeah, ki- ki- kids. Um, it's just a lot of unlike a bunch of unlikable characters that I didn't really care for, and a lot of banter that doesn't really go anywhere. I guess to show the reality of their current situation, you need to have them interacting. But I feel like a lot of the time, it just felt like it just dragged, and they didn't they didn't really say anything that did anything for the story, only to show them that they're you know ignorant kids that. I guess, like you find in real life, just ignorant kids that hear one thing and believe it fully, uh, very horny, everyone. Mm. But besides that, I I don't know. It was more of a, of a struggle for me to give a fuck about any of these characters. So I, I don't know. It, it felt like a, like a vignette movie that I, that like these movies often do that doesn't really get anywhere at the end. And that ending of, what does he say? What's the last line? What what the fuck just happened? Or, or what just happened when he wakes up from from the pills? 
uh, after he gets AIDS. <clears throat> the what's his name character? Uh, Telly or Casper? Casper. He wakes up and he's just like, "What the fuck just happened?" And then the movie ends. Uh, has that same thing of like mid '90s that I mentioned before, where it's like, "Okay, so this is their story, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just just like a snippet of their life." I didn't really. It's the one that I've seen the most from these th three movies, but I, I I don't know. It just didn't work for me this time. It was it was very annoying. It's very of the era. I think it's a movie you yeah. had to see in 95 or 96 to really enjoy or get a kick out of. It doesn't hold up as well in today's uh, society or uh, film climate. I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I think it's kind of, yeah. it's almost rendered irrelevant to time. Mm. I think the other two films um, have aspects of what makes kids interesting and leans in a more extreme direction with those yeah. uh, individual elements, leans into that more, and you get something greater with with those two. And I think it's mm -hmm. because, um, you know, what was Larry Clark's involvement on Gummo? Was he a producer? Did he co-write Gummo? I think he might have co-written Gummo. And Ken Park was based on Larry Clark's uh, memoirs, his personal journals, that Harmony Korine then rewrote. And that's what Ken Park became. Well, Larry Clark is not even mentioned as a producer on Gummo. I think he had something to do with Gummo. Uh oh, did we just include Gummo even even if there's no Larry Clark influence on it? Yeah, you Aside did. from shaping <laughs> Harmony Corinne, does that count? Is grooming a starling, a an auteur, maybe uh, you know equivalent to producing a film? Yeah, I don't see any Larry Clark intervention at all in Gummo. Well, that's this is this whole episode theme is fucked now because I could have sworn <laughs> he had something to do with Gummo. Uh, we should have look if we swapped out Gummo with Bully, then you got like a good Larry Clark trilogy of films, but um, that's yeah. not happening tonight. Instead, what we've got is you know what though I feel like Harmony the texture Green. of these three movies fit better. Oh yeah. Bully would be the fourth, but uh, those are older kids. You know, you're yeah. talking about 18, 19-year-old uh, teenagers doing something bad. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to get, like, a vibe of Bully that fits more with kids or Ken Park, uh, check out Mean Creek with Josh Peck. And did you ever see Mean Creek? What a, what a sell. No. Mean Creek. Mean Creek has some Culkin boy in it and Josh Peck. And Josh Peck is a total piece of shit in this movie. And they take him out on a raft one day or uh, they, some little boat for a birthday party. And then they're like, we're just going to kill him. We're just going to knock him into the water and kill him. Oh, that's what South Park made fun of. There's an episode of South Park when Kenny brings Kyle to a, on a boat and then just starts hitting him with a bat. But it's like a soft bat, so he doesn't do anything because mm. he's trying to kill him. Is that what happens here? They take him on a boat and then they just kill him with a bat? I think they, they hit uh, Josh Peck over the head with one of the paddles and he falls in Okay, and he's done. This is Rory Culkin. Mm -hmm. Oh, this kid. This, the, the main guy, I remember they also tried to make him a thing. Let me pull it up. They tried to make him a thing for a while. Uh, this guy, fuck. I don't even know what his name is. Guy, fuck. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Kelly? No. No, this guy. 
I'm not. Wasn't he in a oh, Euro trip? That's what you see. It's all Euro these terrible trip. comedies from the odds. That's <laughs> yeah. what you, you're like. You think these people are big stars, and they had uh, just side roles in in. <laughs> yeah, just like oh, remember when they were trying to make this guy happen? It was like in a Euro trip that no one saw, no. <laughs> other than <laughs> yeah, he did a two Scotty. episodes of Days of Our Lives. Yeah, he just looks like a gay drug addict in East yeah. LA. He did demonic. What the fuck is demonic? 2015 film. It's direct to uh, DVD. Uh, seems like cool. Frank Grillo. Dimension Films. Never. The end of Dimension. Yeah, no, I've never seen this. Uh, but yeah, Bully would I think would feel a little bit out of place because they're so much older and it's more serious situation. You know the the <clears throat> the god damn it! I'm just opening everything. The AIDS bit on kids is not that big of a factor it's like an add-on to the drama that's happening in the story uh because even though uh chloe savigny or however you say your name gets told right away at the beginning first what 15 20 minutes that she's got it uh the urgency that she has to tell everyone is not really that urgent i guess and she goes to a bunch of parties and i don't i don't even remember if she ends up telling anyone that uh what's his name has aids bully is more centered on what they do right or what they did or what they're planning to do to this to this piece of shit guy that they all hate mm. uh so even though i guess it could be on the same universe but i don't know if it would feel as in line with these three movies because the three of them feel like it's like a period of time where they could all be in at the same time in just different parts of the united states mm-hmm yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And also, yeah, you're you're focusing on uh, adolescence in, in these three films, mostly anyway. Uh, I mean, we haven't really talked about the two main characters from Gummo much. We've been focused on kids and, and uh, you know, Ken Park, especially Ken Park. Yeah. You have uh, that mullet kid in that weird looking, uh, what is his name, Solomon, where he just looks like an alien. That uh, that duo is uh, fantastic. They both fuck the retarded girl. They take turns yeah. on, the, on the retarded lady. You know, that's nice. That's a good wholesome yes. uh, brotherly activity. That was he, very he rough. Recites a very rough scene. Groucho Marx bit uh, out of the blue. You could tell just Harmony Corinne was like, ah, uh, there's a there's a there's a Groucho Marx bit I remember from from TV a long time. I think I wrote it down. Here, you just want to perform this, and we'll see what happens with it. That's, I mean, that feels like most of Gummo is Harmony Crin being like, I get, I get this idea just to shoot something. And then um, maybe we'll just try that out. Like Linda, Man, uh, Linda Mann's from um, Out of the Blue, which is Dennis Hopper's third film. It's a pretty good, interesting movie. They just did a restoration of it recently. She plays the mother of the lead character in this film. Oh, okay. Uh, and her sequence feels very out of place also. They, don't they just have a dance sequence where they're doing... Yeah, ballet or something. He's exercising. He's exercising, mm-hmm. and then she just comes in and she's like making fun of him because he's too skinny, and then she just starts dancing behind him for reasons unknown. Yes. Let me so, let me just share. I just want to share this. Scene <laughs> See, this is what's great about Zoom is we can actually watch instead of just reciting the uh, the Harmony Korine Black Midget clip. We can watch it in real time, just like we watched Topic Time. Harrison Young. Not yeah. similar. I was born right here in Zeno to a lesbian midwife. He looks a lot like someone 
we used to interact with. Yes. Young. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Damn, look at that midget's head. That's He's a so uncomfortable. No, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. What was it when it gets funny? Everything in the house started to change. You start thinking, because my mother has fucking menopause. So at such an early age. I've been nervous. <laughs> he's groping his breast, by the way. For those listening. He's like, he's no one to play that. He's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's really not vibing it anymore. Like, he's like, sorry, cut anyone. Hello? He looks at the camera. <laughs> Do you think he was drunk there? Because I, I wouldn't put it, you know. <laughs> it's like, yep. <laughs> uh, I think he was probably drinking, but I don't. I doubt he's drunk. I think Harmony Korean just likes to fuck with people. It felt like an Andy Kaufman bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I've got no but gay. Yeah. That's a good hard cut. Uh, you know, have you ever heard about Harmony Korine's law? I don't believe this is a real thing. I think he lied about it to seem interesting. He said he had a, a project he was working on. It was supposed to be a film rela- released in the late 90s. It was kind of like a reality TV show. It would have been like Bum Fights called Fight Harm, where he would just get drunk and go to bars and go outside of bars and try to fight people and get his ass kicked. So once they started mm-hmm. fighting back, he would just let them wail on him. And he said he got arrested too many times, but I'm pretty sure there's no arrest records. I think he was just lying because you could do that in the late 90s when you go on Late Night mm-hmm. with Conan O'Brien or David Letterman. Uh, he's got some interesting David Letterman appearances also. You know who Did hates Harmony Corinne? Did he get banned? Uh, Crispin Glover got banned. I think Harmony Corinne might have gotten blacklisted too from, from the Letterman show. Who hates him? Yeah, Letterman. Uh, who hates him is uh, this this fellow right above my head right here. He oh, despises Harmony Corinne. That's why he casts Chloe Sevigny in The Brown Bunny because Harmony Corinne, Chloe were dating and uh he always disliked the fact that harmony corinne was the uh what's, what's the term Les Enfants terrible which is just like a young you know young creative artist with a lot of promise um he made it big at a young age while vincent gallo was in his late 30s and it took him a pretty long time to make money to finance buffalo 66 whereas corinne was just plucked out of the blue by the groomer Larry Clark at age right. 17 or 18. So uh, he didn't like how pretentious Harmony Crin was, did not like that he was just kind of an art fag hanging out around New York, but wasn't really about that life. Vincent Gallo mm-hmm. being 15 years older than him or whatever, you know, he grew up in the <laughs> 80s New York with uh, 
uh, Real John York. Lurie and Basquiat. Yeah. You know, say that's his gang. They were all in a group. They lived together. They were in a band together. You know, he was he was in uh, New York during the most interesting art scene. And then you got the new class, and the new class ain't so interesting to to the old class. So there's a lot of that. Uh, he has a very derogatory piece of writing up about Harmony Corinne on his website that's worth reading. I think I've reposted that a couple oh. of times. Uh, maybe we could pull that out. Maybe we could just give that a quick read to cap off this show. Well, on, I uh, was uh, yeah, I was looking at why he got banned. So you know how Crispin Glover got banned because. Uh, setting the set on fire right no i, I thought it was... It, i thought it was uh he almost drop kicked letterman with platform shoes because he was in character for some movie oh who said the oh was it kaufman no uh bobcat is the one that set it on fire right i think it was bobcat goldthwaite i'm not certain i don't recall bobcat goldthwaite being on i think we watched him on letterman i don't know if he got banned from letterman yeah, well, he said it. On, uh, anyway, it seems like the reason why Harmony Green, which also shows how less interesting, <laughs> I guess, the, to Vincent Gallo's point, he got uh, banned because he Letterman went upstairs to meet uh, to greet Meryl Streep, and apparently she wasn't there, and Harmony Green was like getting shit from her bag like stealing stuff from her <laughs> well, yeah that it. sounds about right he's very uh you know christina ricci asked didn't she get oh winona Ryder. excuse me christina ricci was not the show all oh, right uh they got a similar so physiognomy do i just go to vincent gallo's website i think just vincentgallo.com or, or if you want to google vincent gallo harmony corinne i'm sure somebody has a screenshot something something uh will be in the Google image search results, I, I feel fairly confident. Yeah, well, here we go. Well, is that very, Vincent Gallo? Yeah, that's that's Gallo in the early mid '80s when he's Prince Vince. Looks like a like a Muppet. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, well, the, the letter is not posted here. All right, you're gonna have to go to the website. Okay, so it's probably under writing. Writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. he took it down i don't think so it must be a different part of the website huh uh check out the was let oh uh you're a bad man trying to do bad things to vincent is that no 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 no. uh check out the king crimson review there you go there it is yeah um i believe it's an excerpt here Okay. When a mini dwarf rich kid from Nashville like Harmony Corrine flies first class and moves to New York City Soho in his plush safe apartment, running around town quoting Godard with lines like fuck the bourgeois, it's insincere, it's calculated, it's unoriginal, and it's the worst thing in the world. Trendy. He already knows that he and his boring girlfriend, Connecticut, Chloe Savigny, are going to be on the cover of The Face. He knows he'll get his run of the Angelica and be hip in Japan but no one will ever make an important film because they saw Gummo or Donkey Boy. The only impact Harmony Corrine will have will be on the lives of the girls he sleep drugs to, got stoned and raped while they were passed out, an autobiographical scenario he chose to include in his average screenplay, Kids. I'll fuck your ass, Carrie Woods. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So uh, he's not a fan. That's yeah. That's the message being communicated here. And... Uh, I, I take him at his word with what he says. So maybe Harmony Quinn is not such a good fellow. 
it's so funny. This is like King Crimson Review. It's just a, a, a band. There's a metal or whatever that genre is. Nothing to do with Arnold Green, but he had to get his couple of paragraphs there where he shits on him. Well, people say that about this show. They go, oh, well, we're listening to a review of, what is it, Deep Cover from Bill Duke. And then they wind up uh, somehow <laughs> talking about James Rolfe and Doug Walker and whatever else. I mean, according to Anthony Cisco, that's one of the hallmarks of this program is hardly talking about the fucking movie. So, uh, all right, we got you a ranking of these three films. I think we just gave Gummo its due. Got some Burzum on the soundtrack in Gummo. Got some Madonna yeah. on the soundtrack in Gummo. It's a very good soundtrack. Yeah. It adds a lot to what you're watching, too. Uh, the emotions that you see on the screen are very well um, accompanied by <clears throat> different tracks of, of music that just elevate it a little bit more than if they weren't, if it was just, you know, white trash being white trash without the anger that some of that music uh, shows, I guess. It wouldn't hit as hard, but that's, yeah, the reason why I liked it the most out of these three is because it's more experimental, more of an experience, I guess, than the other two. Yes, I agree. Uh, how, you watched it on YouTube? That's how I watched it last. What, Gummo? Yes, someone uploaded Gummo in no. its entirety to YouTube. Oh no, I I did the one two three movies thing. Okay, all right. Well, it's probably the same quality anyway. There's not a yeah. there's not a very good quality of Gummo that is available right now. It was never released on Blu-ray. Uh, there was a very limited run Warner Archive DVD, which I believe was just a reprint of the master that was featured on the New Line Cinema DVD from the late nineties. Uh, it's it's hard to track down in uh, reasonable quality, but if you can, it's a good art piece. Do so, you want that though? I would I own it. The, I, I would buy it if it wasn't sixty-five bucks on on eBay used. We want a four K version of Gummo. It might like not I be so that, bad. I mean, well, they. I mean, they shot it on film. Uh, I know they transitioned with a couple of other different mm -hmm. uh, mediums, but I don't think it would look terrible. I just think like the the look of it adds so much to it that if we were to see them as crisp as possible, I don't know if it would feel as dirty as the movie feels when mm. you're watching it. Um, but, you know, as a collector, I I understand where you're coming from. Well, there's just certain have, films, I think yeah. they're good to own just in case. Uh, you know, you have a lot of these boutique distributors that are remastering piece of shit movies. Like, you, can, you could probably yeah. find... You could probably, what was that Martin Landau, Jack Palance, Alien movie uh, from the early 80s? I don't know. It, it, just horrible movies that people watch ironically or will tell you, oh, there's actually mm. this was actually surprisingly good. The creature effectiveness right. is good, but they're just terrible films. Uh, you could probably easily find all that than you could Gummo, which is crazy because I think Harmony Korine is probably one of the most prolific American directors. Um and it, it's hard to find uh, seemingly, I mean, a lot of his movies, really. But uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind any of these films on Blu-ray. I think none of them are available on Blu-ray. Maybe kids, but I'm, I'm even skeptical mm -hmm. of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think that's about it for, for what we can say about these films. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh... It is on Blu-ray. No, DVD. Just DVD. Kids. Gummo has a DVD release also. 
But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is a type of movie that I would want to watch in like better quality. Things like that adds a lot to Ken Park has a blue Blu-ray release. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That last thing you said that I forgot already. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend these three films? I think you have to be in the right mood to watch this type of movie. Uh, I don't think they're for everyone because they do get graphic and weird. And depending on your sensibilities, you might want to turn it off or stop watching at parts of this because it gets very raw uh, in the three of them. But if you're like a, a, a movie enjoyer that, you know, you see things for what they are without having to apply any type of modern day sensitivities to them that would make you not enjoy them, then yeah. If you're looking for reasons to get upset about a movie, then you're going to get upset within five minutes on these three movies. Uh, so I guess it really depends. I I uh, I did enjoy Gomo more than, than the three of them, but I, I don't mind the fact that I watched the other two just to have a better, more recent idea of what they were, because like you, like I had seen the other two a long time ago. Uh, but uh, so yeah, if you if you enjoy films in general and you're able to just turn off your brain and realize that, you know, this shit is not real, it's not as serious, then yeah, watch the three of them. If not, then just watch Gummo because it's more of like an art piece than the other two, I'd say. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think Larry Clark's work is an acquired taste. I'm not that familiar with his other films. Um, but he's an interesting guy. They're both interesting people. Uh, regardless of Vincent Gallo's critical words of Harmony Korine. Yeah, I, I would recommend all three of these films. Uh, I think that Kids is an interesting pop culture piece from the 90s, and that's primarily uh, its relevance in film now. Ken Park is a decent watch in general to get a vibe of early aughts, just American, I guess, suburban culture. And uh, yes, Gummo is just a fascinating piece of filmmaking. And uh, knowing that that came from some, such a young director without any experience at all uh, makes it all the more of an intriguing watch. So that has been Movies for this week. Uh, check out Hans on Twitter, H-word name. Check out me on Instagram, LowResWonderBread. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a show before we pick up filming. could be a little bit of time before you hear from us this way uh, again. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm out of here on Friday. So Thursday night would be a no-go. So unless we do something right now, it's Tuesday midnight. Uh, I don't know. You want to squeak in a show in the next 48 hours or what? Well, I mean, we could, we could. I don't really I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I have to take care of, but yeah, we could do that. It's fine. Yeah. We'll, Just... we'll, we'll play it by ear. We got a meeting to, to have tomorrow anyway. So maybe before or yeah. after we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. That has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.